Hello friends and welcome to another Kings of Anglian podcast special. I'm Mark Heath and this morning I was down at a very sunny, beautiful Portman Road along with the big porker Mike Bacon and Roscoe, Ross Halls to meet the new Ipswich Town Chief Executive Mark Ashton. Lucky enough to get about half an hour of his time this morning, um, obviously after the TV had, had had their way with him, uh, eventually it gets to the written boys um, and so it was myself, Brenner uh, and Phil Ham you'll hear on the audio coming up. As I say we've got about half an hour with Mark, uh, said a lot of very impressive things. He was clearly very impressed with the football club, kind of looking around and making reference to the stadium and the history and the heritage and how proud he was to be associated with Ipswich Town and be charged with the being the man, along with Paul Cook, to take it forward and put it back where it should be. Uh, I asked him in terms of what's a realistic ambition for Ipswich Town uh, and he told me there is no limit to what they can achieve at Ipswich Town. Premier League, he said, is a dream, but there's no reason why we can't make that dream a reality. So I hope you enjoy listening to it. Just to explain, as I think I mentioned in the last podcast, um, Andy and Stu, the boys, off on a well-deserved holiday for half-term this week. Hence, it was the B team down talking to Mark this morning. But I hope you enjoy uh, the following interview. Uh, and we'll be back uh, maybe later on this week with another couple of little podcasts. Um, I hope everyone's having a great week and we'll speak to you again soon. Take it away, Brenner. These are the stairs finally come around. You can get stuck into the task. Well, how important was it to meet staff and kind of look into the whites of people's eyes and maybe allay a few fears? I think that was really important, um, particularly as the club's gone through a takeover as well. Um, you know, a number of the staff actually haven't been on site for 12 months because of the pandemic. So to invite them in, albeit socially distanced, in the fan zone, and just to try and give them a little bit of confidence that we're here to try and help and build the club. Um, and we have plans in place to, to take it forward. I think just try to reassure them a little bit. So it was, it was great to see them. So what appealed to you about this project? Wow, just look at it. A couple of weeks ago, I'll tell you a quick story. A couple of weeks ago, um, myself and my family drove down one evening. um, It was a good three-hour drive. um, And we drove to the back of the the cobalt stand. And there was literally a lump in our throats, just looking at the size of the stand, the tradition of the stand, the font of the writing on the stand. Um, My other half said to me, whatever you do, don't you ever get rid of that font on that stand. (laughs) That means something. (laughs) And when you walk around a club, you see it, you feel it. I said to the the staff this morning, I was 16 years at West Brom, and I always thought that that was a club that carried a huge tradition with it. Walking around this place this morning, my word, the memorabilia, the tradition, the history, the success that this football club's had. It's just too big an opportunity to turn down, to help be part of turning this around and taking it back to where we think it genuinely belongs. You're going to be hands-on day to day and moving down lock, stock and barrel. You mentioned your family there. Already moved. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we have, a, have a house in Ipswich, um, um, which was great. So I get up this morning and I'm five minutes to the stadium, five minutes to the training ground. And you've got to do that. You've, you can't run football clubs remotely. I passionately believe that. You've got to be all in, totally committed. And it's long hours. This isn't a job. This is a way of life. Um, you know, those who know me from the clubs, from Bristol City, I haven't missed a second of a game. Every game, every second, every game. You have to do that. You have to have that commitment. And we'll get decisions right on the way through. We'll get decisions wrong. But the one thing I can promise the fans that they will get my total commitment, all my energy and everything we've got to try and move this club forward. Just talk to me about some of your priorities, beyond the obvious, which I guess is helping Paul and the team win matches. Um, yeah, priorities, we've got to get some players in. Um, but we've got to get the right players in. Um, but it's, it's really getting to know people and to meet people. Um, 
and uh, that's probably the piece I've been looking forward to um, for the last six weeks whilst I've been waiting to arrive. Um, I talked today to the staff about togetherness. I can't do this on my own. Players can't do it on their own. Paul can't do it on their own. The investors can't do it on their own. We need to make sure that we are fully engaged with the fan base, fully engaged, engaged with the community, and fully engaged with the staff, and bring people together. Um, you know, we're just talking, this stadium holds over 30,000 people. We're coming out of a pandemic. It's been a difficult time for everyone in the country, and I think we have a moment in time where t if we can come together, we can really build something very special here, but we've got to make sure we bring people together. And clearly, you know Mike and, and Luke very well and clearly work together very well as a three. You trust each other, you yeah. know each other. Yeah, we do. Um, I've worked, known Mike for over 20 years. We, we worked at two previous clubs. Luke's similar. Um, they know the level of professionalism and standards that I set. They know the tempo that I set, which is very early mornings, very late nights. Um, which is what we do and to have them alongside me um, is, is, is great for me but I think it's also great for the football club. How much do you think you liaise with the American contingent? I speak to them regularly, uh, no no I, sp I, I, spe I speak to them regularly, um, you know sometimes daily, sometimes weekly uh, and they've been fantastic, um, you know the three Lions are football people, um, Ed Schwartz and, and Mark Steed are really really top top draw people um, who have committed serious finance to this football club to take it forward but you know they, they they're also keen and keep stressing to me how important it is that I build this in the right way they want this club at the center of its local community they want the club to interact with the fan base interact with the, the stakeholders uh, and be, be a club that its community and its fans can be proud of uh, and they are keen to on, on me and impress that on me in every call so in every area of the club, on and off the pitch, Rome wasn't built in a day, but we intend to, to take every part of the club forward. Complete faith in Paul. He was probably as critical as anyone about his own performance over the last 16 games of the season. Yeah, um, look, it, it's, it's, it's a result-based <coughs> industry for managers, but we know that. I, I've known Paul on the circuit for, for a number of years. He's someone I've admired, actually, for a number of years. And I think he was absolutely the right, right manager for, for this football club. It's what this football club needs. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to get the opportunity to, 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 to work with him and help him. But my, my word, he sets a tempo himself. He works hard. He has real passion and wants to take this football club forward on the pitch. Because there'll be real pressure on them next season to do that, won't they? Yeah, they will. But they'll be, you know, if you're at Sunderland, if you're at Sheffield Wednesday, if you're at Rotherham, there'll be pressure everywhere on all the managers. They understand that. That's the world they live in. Um, but, you know, we give people time. We work with them. And that's the only way you can build sustainable success. You've got to put the foundations in the place. You've got to do it properly. And if you do that, and you're resilient in doing that, and you keep doing the right things every single day, we'll get success. You know what fans are like at this time of year, Mark. Ultimately, they just want to know when new faces are arriving, what is the latest? Um, well, look, Paul's been really clear uh, on, on the type of player he wants. He's been clear on some of the targets. The club have started to move on some of those targets. I will take that over as today. And I'd like to think that in the next week or so, we can get some of the those across the line. Um, we've got to recruit players that can get us out of this division um, and we've got to recruit talent around that so we'll look to recruit in all areas you know we'll look to develop the academy and that will, will come in time um, we'll look to develop and recruit players into the 23s which is the underbelly that we can develop in time for Paul and the first team 
But right now, we've got to recruit players that can win games come August. How does that process work? Does he come to you with a list? Has he already done that? Do you have much input? Yeah, we, we, we work together. Um, you know, I'm not talent ID. I don't go and watch games. I don't scout. That's not my piece. My piece is the negotiation and the relationship with other clubs and the agents and the financial piece. That's the, the piece I do. Um, Paul, his staff um, and the recruitment guys that are here uh, lead on, if you like, present, presenting the players that they'd like to. I think recruitment is an area that we will invest in over time. But again, we'll bring the right people into that, whether that's technical recruitment, whether that's scouting, whether that's analysis. Again, that's an area that we'll heavily invest in. Um, but right now, it's all hands to the pump. We've got to get players in for August. So will he be given the tools to do the job? For a few seasons now, under the previous regime, there's kind of been an undercurrent that maybe managers haven't been backed enough to, to bring in the right players. Yeah, I, I think so. Look, the, the, the club will be well-funded, um, but we also have to work in, under the salary protocols in League One. Um, which means that you can only spend a percentage of your turnover on player salaries. And everyone's turnover is substantially down because of the pandemic. But we'll be funded right to the top of that. Um, but we'll be sensible. We'll be brave and we'll bold, but we won't be reckless. Uh, and I think that that's key. Um, but yeah, Paul will be supported. Um, we want to make this club competitive as quickly as we can. And we want to get results as quickly as we can. It does sound like through time you'll look into the entire recruitment process from top sure. to bottom, is that fair? Yeah. You, you have to, for sure. It, it's one of the most important parts of any football club. You know, we can have the best uh, commercial department, the best retail, the best um, you know, conference and banqueting, but we get decisions wrong in recruitment. It blows it all out the water. So we've got to right, make sure we get the right talent in into the first team in the 23s, whilst also investing and developing in the academy and giving our academy staff the opportunity to bring young players through because by the way FA Youth Cup semi-final is an incredible achievement um, Leo Neal and his, and his staff should be given huge credit for that something the club should be very proud of um, and again we've got, to, we've got to invest sensibly in all areas to take the club forward What about potential outgoings? Have, have, has everyone in the current squad or pretty much everyone in the current squad be to, been told they're free to go? No, I think, look, we'll assess it. We assess every player on an individual basis. Um, I've already started that process with Paul. Um, and, you know, we're in a really interesting transfer market. I've never had one in 30 years like this. The pandemic has caused a very depressed market where clubs will trade players because clubs haven't got the money they had historically to spend. Um, and we'll step through it player by player. Uh, and if it, th there's a deal that's on the table that's the right thing for this football club, then we'll do it. If it's not the right thing at the right time, we won't do it. But let's be really clear, what will come first with regards to Paul is putting a team together for him that wins games come August. So is it fair to say there's a number of players in the current squad Paul wants to keep and, and build his new recruits and a team around? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, it, it's very fluid uh, and there are, yet there are a number of players in there that he said to me, I want those here. Um, but with every player, every, every player you can never say never. That, I've, I've learned that, learned that before. Um, the, the key piece is, is not just to recruit players. We've got to assemble a team, and a team that can work and perform in the way Paul, for, sorry, Paul's shape is and Paul wants them to perform. That's really key. Uh, and assembling those pieces of the jigsaw in the right way that over a 40-game season can deliver success is going to be absolutely key. It's not necessarily how we perform on that first game of the season. It's when we get to February and we're away on a Tuesday night. Can we still get results? They've got to be able to hand, handle going to Sunderland, going to Portsmouth, going to Rotherham. They've, they've got to be able to handle playing here at home because as fans come back, there's going to be expectation here. 
but we will work together. And I think we've got a really good staff um, that will bring energy and focus. They're real professionals. We just want to get started. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe more about quality than quantity. This club's had some big squads in recent seasons. Yeah, I, I, and Paul's clear on that. Um, you know, too many men can, can cause a problem. Um, so we've got to get the right amount of players and we've got to make sure that they're resilient enough to see the season through. Because a lot of clubs, my former club, this club, many, many clubs that you speak to, because of the pandemic and the rate of games over the last 12 months have, have really suffered with injuries. So we've got to, and that's one of the reasons that Andy Rolls and Andy Coston have been brought in into sports science, is to make sure that one, we recruit players that can physically do what Paul Cup wants, and two, when they're here, we can adapt and develop them to do what we want them to do. And casting the net far and wide as well. The, the majority of the players linked so far for what that's worth at this time of year have been ex-Portsmouth or ex-Wigan or, or Bristol City, but it's not going to be like that, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. Look, there's always an element of um, better the devil you know. Um, so, yes, there are players at, at, at those clubs that, that we're looking at, but the net goes far, far, far wider than that. Um, and we will endeavour to bring in the best talent that we can. Um, win games and have you got bids on the table or any bids in for here for your players at the minute yeah I think I, I, I will pick all that up formally today um, but there are certainly discussions going on with clubs and players for sure uh, and again as soon as I get under my feet on the desk I'll be taking that on and moving them forward busy summer for you isn't it for sure but it's great it's great you know I hope the weather's like this every day because <laughs> it, it, it's fantastic um, I'm excited. I'm genuinely excited. I'm, in, you know what? That's probably not the right word. I'm honoured. I'm really honoured to be here. Um, I'm honoured that the three lions and um, Mark Steed and Ed Schwartz have chosen me to come and work with them on, on this project. Um, I'm, I'm proud to be Ipswich, its chair, uh, chairman, CEO, and just just can't wait to get get going. And you know, it's a long way from everywhere: Plymouth, I've Sunderland, Morecambe. Midlands, I've worked that out already. <laughs> I work, but, and, uh, yeah, but it, that's great because you do a lot. You listen, we, I travel a lot to the games anyway, and I do a lot of my thinking and my calls in the car. Um, and I just re really looking forward to help building something. And I know I keep saying it, but I, I'm just overwhelmed by the size and the tradition of this football club. And I was in the I was in the office this morning, and you know, I was looking at the the '78 Cup winning team and. My, I think my, my very earliest memory of football was being at my friend's house and listening to West Brom play Ipswich in the 78 um, semi-final um, where uh, John Wyle and Brian Talbot headbutt um, in the first five minutes Brian scores and Brian's then uh, sorry um, John's got his head bandage on and that's an iconic picture and it's just bizarre how things come back I look at the team picture Brian Talbot was my manager when I was a player at West Brom uh, Cyril Lee was my youth team coach when I was at West Brom, and, it, and the dots all <laughs> all, all join up. It, it, it's it's incredible. So I'm just want to embrace the heritage, bring everyone together, and, and and play a part in in taking what is a very very special football club forward. Lovely. Thanks, Mike. If you don't mind, uh, why did you want this challenge? You you stepped down from the Championship into League One. Was it a tough decision? What made you want to to be here? I'm a builder, um, and if you look at where I've worked in the past and what I've done, that's what I've done, I've built. Um, and I think the easier choice would be to stay where I am, working for an amazing owner at Bristol City um, and with some amazing people having just completed the training ground um, and having a really good relationship with the new manager. But you get to a point, um, I'm 50, 
this year. One word that frightens me. <laughs> um, and um, I just felt it was time for a new challenge. And I think the people who have acquired this football club, invested in this football club, are really special and want to do the right thing. Mm. And I just think sometimes in life, things line up and this just felt right from the moment they mm. they they contacted me um, and I love a challenge and I think we've got one um, but I've just said I think this is a really special football club Every, you know it's amazing I'm amazed at how many people have contacted me um, in different walks of life who are Ipswich Town fans um, and then said oh my god I'm so pleased you're going there you can do this you can do this I want to talk to me about the history I want to talk to me about the tradition mm. I want to talk to me about what areas we can improve it what we should do what we shouldn't do um, it, it's a club that seems very dear to the football industry's heart um, I mean just look at the, the former managers that have mm. been here mm. it's incredible and I'm just honoured to play a part in hopefully taking this club back to where we believe it should be Mm. And talking about building something for the players, getting players in the door is going to be key. Have you spoken to Paul yet about targets? You can oh yeah, sit down with him? oh yeah. We had dinner last night, and for sure, um, and and that's what what what, what we talked about for for three four hours with with, with Mike. Um, I've had a number of conversations on the phone with him as well, uh, where he's wanted to get me up to speed. He's clear on 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 the type of individual he wants, mm. um, and I love the fact he's really clear that anybody who comes to play for this football club has got to be committed. This isn't a stop-off for someone to go and play for someone else. This isn't where journeymen come to finish their careers. This is a football club that deserves better, and he's adamant that he wants players and staff totally, totally committed. Mm. Um, and he's already setting a tempo so we'll be working on those later today mm. just talking deep digging deeper into recruitment I had a really interesting interview with you uh, in Bristol when you were talking about your data dashboard and technical <laughs> recruitment and well you have been doing your yeah, yeah. is that yeah. something you're going to bring here 100% how's it, how's it all 100% I've already been <laughs> onto my PA this morning and said right can we send the, the, the analysis my data dashboards um what I don't do is I don't do talent identification. I don't, I don't scout. I don't identify the players. I don't watch enough football mm. to do that. That's not my skill set. But what I'd like to do is I need to understand the industry. So we will understand what every other football club in, in League One is doing. We will understand the market. One of the things that between myself, Paul, and his backroom staff we're very well connected and we mm. have good relationships with big Premier League clubs championship clubs and we will use those relationships if, if we need to either bring players in or to get knowledge on players that, that are out there but for me recruitment is a balance it's a balance between objective and subjective so it's a balance between data analysis and a balance between scouting neither mm. is right or, or less or more important the two have to come together but where I like Paul is he's really clear on how he wants to play. He's really clear on the makeup of his players. That helps us in recruitment. Mm. Um, and you know we'll, we'll be active and we'll be onto onto it. So he'll identify the targets, and it's your job to get. No, them. he's part of it. He's, right. he, he's part of it. So whether it's Paul, his staff, the the scouts, um, relationships that we have, it's it's a it's a funnel. So all the names will go in, into the funnel, mm. and they will be measured against Paul's technical specification. Uh, and what comes out of that are players that we believe will be right for this football club. Mm. But what we won't do, no player, no player at first team level will come into the football club without Paul Cook saying he wants them. We don't work like that mm. because that, that, I, don't, I just don't believe in that. He has to say yes, he wants that player. Mm. But there'll never be shocks or surprises because he'll be part of the process all the way through. Um, and then when we get to the end, the end point, 
and we agree that that's the player we want, it then goes to me to, to do the negotiation mm. and, the, and the financial mm. piece. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship with the owners? Because to speak yeah. to them, they've said right from first meeting you, when they bought a football club, they wanted you to run it. So <laughs> how's, how's that come about? Um, I, I met them uh, a number of years ago in the US. I, I went out to present at the USL uh, National Conference, which mm. was a fantastic um, conference to speak to. And I was blown away by their can-do attitude. Um, I've been in, in football for, for 30 plus years now. And sometimes we, we get stuck as this in, in this industry to say, well, no, we don't do that because football only does this or football does it that way. And we, should, we don't try new things. And the USL and, and the three lines in particular were so positive about trying new ways of ticket sales, developing stadium, building squads. They, they were fantastic. And mm. we spent two or three days talking about English football, how football was developing in the US, and the relation built from then. And there was almost a meeting of minds. And I think we all probably felt that at some point in our careers, there may come an opportunity for us to work together. And here we are. Here we are. Uh, and just on that though, we interviewed Mark Detmer a couple of weeks ago and he said you'd already sent him a bunch of ideas for things you wanted to change at Portland Road. The match day experience, that kind of thing. Can you give yeah. us any insight into that? Yeah, I think, look, I think there are two elements to that. First is we're going to have fans hopefully coming back now as we come out of a, a pandemic. Um, and, you know, that's been a really tough time for everyone in the country. And, you know, it's been difficult for fans trying to watch on stream. It's just, it's not the same. So... I want us to, t- Portman Road is our home and I want to take pride in it. And, you know, I don't mean this to be disrespectful, but you guys are standing here now and mm. it could be sharper, it mm. could be cleaner, it yep. could be better presented. And it's our home and we need to take pride in our home. We're not going to be able to do everything overnight, but there are things that we can do. We need to make sure this, this stadium is clean, it's tidy, it's presentable, it's welcoming that people can get a drink, that the, the, the food's right, that the beer's cold. Um, and when people come back in, in, in August, I want them to see a difference. And that might be in subtle, small things, but I want us to take a pride in this place mm. um, because it's our home. And I think that's really important. Mm. And just finally for me, you're talking about building something special. What is, for you, a realistic ambition for Richmond Town Football Club? Where can you take this football club? Don't put a lid on it. Why should we put a lid on it? Why, why can we not do what Sheffield United have done? Why can we not do what Bournemouth have, do, have done? Um, what, you know, there's, there's a club that's up the road, they keep telling me. Why can't we do more than they've done? Um, there's no reason why. Mm. And if we can get the right people together, working in the right direction, um, there is no limit on what this club can, cannot do. It's big enough, the fan base is big enough um, to be competitive in, in, in any division. That's going to take a lot of work, a lot of effort. Um, and I am absolutely so proud to be sat at the front of that group of people that we're going to put together. Excellent. Best of luck, Mark. Thank you. I was going to ask about your period at Bristol City, five and a half years. How do you look back on that? Um, amazing time, amazing people, um, amazing ownership. Um, and, you know, um, there, there was a group of people um, uh, that built the stadium I can't take credit for that but there was a group of people behind the scenes that built an incredible stadium 
training ground was my project. I think we leave them with an incredible legacy in, in the academy with, with the production line of players coming nine or ten first team debuts this season. Um, and, you know, on the pitch they're going to go through uh, a big change of, of, of players and squad. I think they've got a great manager in Nigel Pearson um, and he was messaging me yesterday wishing me all the best and thanking me for my support and vice versa to him. Um, and it's a club that I believe is destined for the Premier League um, and they'll be the first set of results I'll be looking for after, after the Ipswich one. So, yeah, I, I, I've only had good memories. So the development there, we've talked about the stadium and, and also the training ground, are they things that you'll look, look at here as well? Um, yeah, as, as I said, I, I, I wasn't in. I, I didn't uh, do the stadium development. I did the training ground development. But I think for sure here, o- over time, we we need to under- we need to have almost an estate strategy for for the facilities. Um, you know, the tra- you look at the training ground. It's it's a rabbit warren, um, and it, the, the flow isn't right. Um, it's not conducive to developing players. We've got good land. Um, good pitches, but we need to make sure the infrastructure is right. And I think it's the same at the stadium. Um, you know, I'm going to make no bones about it. One of the things that I'm going to want to invest in in the next year is a modern pitch. Mm. Um, we're not in time to do that for this season, but we, you know, with a modern pitch comes undersole heating. With a modern pitch, probably comes deso, um, because that, there's no point in putting us to, a team together that plays the game in a certain way and by February the pitch is gone so but to do that we've got to make sure that that we haven't got to slightly move the pitch we've got to make sure the dugouts that people keep telling me need sorting out are not in the the right (laughs) position because if you put the pitch in and then have to start changing with the undersole heating you're taking one step forward and three steps back so yeah I I think we'll take a good look at the stadium we'll want to um, upgrade it and if we think that the, the plan is right to develop one of the stands at the right time or more, then we'll put a plan in place for that. Mm. I think there's been a lot of stuff at this club that have been sort of noted down for to be done when we reach the Premier League. And that's now 19 years ago, yeah. something like that. And, and so it's all those sorts of jobs that you kind of will look to do. Yeah, I, th- I think you, you put a plan in place and you work, you work through the plan. I, th- I don't think you should hang everything on the Premier League. The mm. Premier League's a, a dream. Um, a dream that I think we can make reality here but you've still got to make sure that your house is tidy and it's functional and it's professional um, that this football club deserves that the fans deserve that and we'll be doing that on the way through for sure mm. I mean the pitch I mean, I remember talking to one of my predecessors about what work needed to be done and he was talking about a million to a million and a half yeah that's yeah. It. yeah, yeah. It, it needs a modern pitch it hasn't got a modern pitch the, gra- the groundsman um, who I've had several conversations with tells me that there's never been a modern pitch here, um, which is the, the whole for as long as Portman Road's been here, uh, and it will it will it will need that. Um, but that'll be a substantial investment. But we'll have to start planning that now for this time next year. Um, but I, but I think that it's like putting the roof on your house. If you haven't got a roof on your house, you're going to have problems. If we haven't got a pitch right here at Portman Road, we're going to have problems. So that is certainly something that will be on our agenda moving forward. Mm. I think the last major work was done in 1977, wasn't it, on the pitch? I think that was the... Um, that was his facts. Yeah, well, he told me that. Because um, <laughs> he was working it. Um, Luke's Who's with you. Who's the Well, it was... It was um, wasn't it? Chapel. <laughs> yeah, Winston Chapel. Win- Winnie. Uh, my mate's dad, I thought. <laughs> um, 
Luke is with you, um, yep. Head of Operations. What's, why has he come with you and, and what's his role? Uh, so Luke's, Luke's Chief Operating Officer. In essence, he's my number two. Um, and uh, as with Mike O'Leary, both I've worked with the two previous clubs, people I trust implicitly, but more importantly, understand the standards that I set and understand the tempo that I work. So, you know, joking apart, they don't do holidays. Uh, they don't do days off. It's at these Sundays and they will totally commit to, to, to this football club. And I think in their areas of ex- expertise, the club will benefit. Um, they've got great knowledge, great understanding. And um, I'm delighted um, that Mike's here from a board perspective and from, a, from an operating perspective, Luke, Luke will be a very, very important member of the team. And can I ask about Leo Neal? Is there any sort of decision whether he's going to still be part of your team or yeah, what for his sure. role is going to be? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, listen, I'm just getting to know, know Leo. Lee spoke to him uh, a couple of times, um, has this football club's interests at heart. Um, I've tried to make it really clear to the staff, we've not come in here with the intention of moving anyone on. We want to take people on, on the journey with us. All we ask is that they commit, their professionalism uh, is high uh, and they work hard because we will set a tempo. So that was your message at your meeting with all the For staff sure. then, was it? For yeah. sure, and to smile, to come in and enjoy it. We want people to be proud of this football club um, and, and, and be part of it. I, I keep using the words together. We can't do this unless the players, the staff, the fans, the business community are all together. And one of, the, one of our challenges is drawing everyone together. We will communicate as much as we can. Look, there are obviously things in a transfer window I can't talk about mm. because I'm going to compromise the club's ability to sign players in doing that. But, you know, we intend to hold a fans forum um, before the start of the season. Um, I'd like to have all uh, of uh, our board members from the other side of the pond on that. Um, if not all of them, at least some of them. But we want to put a plan in place where fans know when we're communicating to them. And we can set a programme up throughout the year on things like that will be accessible on match days um, because engagement with the supporters is is key and we'll do our best to, to communicate as much as we can. Finally, I was asking you about your time as a goalkeeper. And, uh, <laughs> I think fans will find this quite interesting. You're a goalkeeper and, and also how you transitioned from being a goalkeeper into a kind of board figure, you know. That's a great question. Great question, Bill. It's a great question. So, I, OK, so actually, I made my debut with Brian Talbot at 17 you're going to love this, against Real Madrid. <laughs> no, it's true. it's true. So they all left. It's true. It's true. With Brian. Um, and we, we played in the US, um, in, in San Francisco, actually, against Real Madrid. And they had Bebeto, Cordelio, etc. playing. Um, and I how Brian had arranged this tour, I've got no idea. But Brian did, and that was my debut. We got stuffed 5-1, and my career went downhill <laughs> like, a, like, a, like a rocket from, from, from that. But... I, I wasn't good enough. It, it, it's as simple as that. I had some injuries, but I, I wasn't going to be good enough to be to be playing at the top end. So I went back to West Brom um, as a 20-year-old uh, working in community um, and spent 16 years then doing a variety of roles, was youth team coach, goalkeeper coach, but realised that I didn't really want to go down the coaching route. I wanted to run the business. So was an utter pain to all of my CEOs, John Weil, who was a CEO for a long time, Mike O'Leary, who was my CEO for a couple of years, trying to learn every bit of the business. I wanted to be a CEO, uh, wanted to run a football club, um, and ultimately made the transition into, into the business side. Um, but yeah, um, 
you, you talk about being a, a player, I'll get it in before other times. I was a bad player. <laughs> because, <laughs> because everyone else will tell you that. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, football's in my blood and I've been very privileged to, to work with some amazing clubs and amazing people over the years. Thank you very much. Right. From true crime to football, Brexit to postal, for more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon. Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.